Well, good morning. Good to see you guys all back here at Snake River. We're uh, grateful that uh, God got uh, some AC on for the school. So, I mean, there was, there was us, you know, we were always worried about ourselves. But um, the school, uh, until this week, didn't know that they'd have AC, and they started on Monday. So that was nice for them to have uh, some, some air conditioning throughout the building. And then, I don't know if you heard, but Nampa District, school district, got hit uh, on their internet, so all the internet for the whole entire school district shut down. So you can be praying for them, because it won't be back up until the 30th, and uh, I was talking to the principal of the school, and she said, that makes it really hard when you have all these new kindergartners coming in, you don't have the information on them, and so uh, they're trying to figure out, of course, how to, how to work through that, but... Uh, you could be praying for her and for the school and, uh, and always be praying for that. You know, it's, you think about worshiping and gathering in a school, it's more than just a facility for us to worship a gathering. It's also um, a neighborhood, uh, a group of people that we can reach out to and care for and love on. And so that's one of the things we want to see happen more and more as, uh, as we think about our responsibility as a church here in Nampa. So we are finishing up our series, um, not today, but next week we'll be finishing up our series, Marveled, and then we'll be going into the next series, which I think uh, is going to be Esther. So the book of Esther and looking at that story and how God uses a courageous young woman um, to save his people. And so we'll talk about courage and providence mainly in that that portion of Scripture. So looking forward to that. Also, next week, I'll just give you a little bit of a teaser. Um, we'll be doing something next week, if all goes as planned, that I have never done as a pastor, and I've never been in a church that's ever done that. That's all I'm going to tell you. So uh, that might pique your interest a little bit, but I'm excited about it. We'll be looking at Psalm 150, the last psalm, and, uh, and so I'm excited to see what, um, just kind of how God leads us through that and to, to worship as God tells us to in that, that psalm. So you can read it, Psalm 150, and that might give you a little indication as what we might be doing next week, but, but I'm looking forward to that. But today we're in Psalm 116. So if you have your Bibles, you could turn there and take a look at Psalm 116. And I guess I did not... Tim, is there a clicker back there? I must not have grabbed it. Great, so we'll... I'll bring that up. That will probably help a little bit. Thanks. Psalm 116. We're going to be talking about finding rest in that portion of Scripture. And this is the question. Would you like to rest? And most people are like, I wouldn't mind resting a little bit, right? Would you like to rest and trust and thank God? So I have here with me uh, just a, a bag of some heavy objects. So, um, and want to pull them out and just kind of show you what each one of them demonstrates to us. But you'll probably catch on pretty quick. So, one is a rock, and I have written on there relationships. Relationships can be tough, right? Uh, and whether it's a marriage, whether it's parenting, whether it's friendships, whether it's, uh, you know, you're 60 or 30 or 15 relationships can be hard and they can be a burden and they can be a stress. They can be difficult. So that's, that's one example of something that's 
difficult or tough. Uh, another one, uh, future. Making decisions about your future or maybe education, something along those lines. So you think about where you're going to be going and those decisions that impact your life, that can be difficult, stressful. You're wondering, okay, what does God want me to do in those situations? What should I do? What would best uh, help me with, with the future? So that is another one. Um, and then how about politics? Politics stress people out. People worry about it, kind of start to think through, you know, who should I vote for? We're going to come up on another election year. Are you looking forward to that? Most people aren't. Like, eh. I know, you can see all, you know, all the advertisements and all that good stuff. Um, but politics, we, we wonder about that as far as our country and the direction it's going and who should, should lead it and those who are in charge. Hey, um, how about finances or job? Stress about that. Worry about that. What about our future there? Uh, will we have enough to make it? Will this job we have right now be able to pay the bills? Um, will I be able to have a job in a month or two or less? You know, finances, job, those can be heavy to carry around as well, those burdens. And I think i got one more here. Health. We worry about health, Right? We think about that and whether or not we have good health, or maybe you just got some bad news from the doctor, and the doctor says, well, you need to do this and this, or you need to start taking this medication, or you need to lose some weight, or you need to have this surgery, or you might even have cancer, and you have to fight that. Health. Health is a concern for people. And so what happens, and these are just, these are just five examples, but what happens is we oftentimes carry these things around, and so we put them you know, in our, our bag, and, and then... We have to, to carry them through life. Probably better zip this up and fall out. Make a big crashing noise. And, and we put it on our bag, and it's not too bad at first. You know, we're walking around, and, and, and we think, oh, we can handle it. It's not that big of a deal. And then, you know, a few hours goes by, and it starts to really start to weigh on us. A couple days goes by, and it's like, man, this is really getting heavy, Right? And eventually, those burdens become so heavy, we're like, I just need some rest. I want a break. I don't want to be thinking about all those things all the time. So that's what we want to take a look at today, because I think this, this psalm that we're going to take a look at addresses that issue, would you like to rest? And one of the verses talks about, specifically about resting and how we can rest in God. Now, here's one of the, the things that, that you and I, I think, fail at. Jesus has already told us in the New Testament, you can go there and you can look about how he says in the New Testament how we can, we can take our burdens and give our burdens to him, All right, hand our burdens to him. The problem is you and I have a hard time doing that because oftentimes we're not ready to hand over our burdens. We're, we're more like, hey, Jesus, can you just come and walk alongside me? Can you just go with me? I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep my burdens I'll hold on to them, but I'd really like you just to kind of walk with me, maybe prop me up a little bit, give me a little extra strength, but I'm going to hold on to them. Probably because we're, we're proud people. Maybe we found a little bit of success in our life about carrying some of those burdens on our own. But God says, I, I want to take your burdens for you. You just have to learn to trust me. And so he's willing to carry them for us. He's willing to sort through them, but we've got to give it to him. And I think that's what we see as we look at this psalm 
here together. So that's where we're going to be going. I'd like to have some rest. My guess is you'd like to have some rest as well. So let's trust and thank God for what he gives us. Uh, We're going to start with verse 1, but before we do, let's pray. Just ask God to speak to us. Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your love for us, how you've been so gracious to us, how you were kind and gentle, merciful, compassionate. We thank you that you never fail us. We may feel like it. We may get upset at times. We may not see the future. We We never see the future. We've got to trust that in your hands. We've got to walk with you. You've got to lead us. We pray that we would find ourselves resting in you, in your hands. So guide us in those things. Help us to depend upon you and trust in you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He starts off verse 1. He says, I love the Lord because he has heard my appeal for mercy. So he starts off right at the beginning, I love the Lord, makes a statement of faith there, uh, you know, a statement that just says, God, I I love you, I I care for you, I adore you, and here's why, because he's heard my appeal for mercy. Now, if you go to the New Testament, John writes this, he says, we love because he first loved us, and that's kind of the concept that the psalmist is talking about. The only reason we can even love God is because he's been merciful to us, because he's loved us, because he's been gracious to us. It's the only reason. We can respond to him because he's already reached out to us and cared for us and loved us. There's another thing as you look forward. I love the Lord because he has heard, has, has heard my appeal for mercy because he has turned his ear to me. And because of that, I will call out to him as long as I live. That's an amazing thing that we can call out to God, a powerful God. A God who, in all honesty, if we we look at ourselves and realize who we are in comparison to him, we have to be humbled a little bit and say, God doesn't have to listen to us. The reality is he does not have to give us his ear. The reality is he could have destroyed Adam and Eve when they first sinned in the garden, and he could have said, it's enough right then, it's over, I'm going to restart or do some other kind of plan or something like that, but he didn't. Instead, he was moved with love, he was moved with compassion, he was moved with mercy, and because of that, we can now have this relationship with him. And so God has turned his ear to us, and we ought to be thankful for that. This is how the Bible describes us. And this is a little humbling. If you haven't read this before, you might be a little shocked. But Romans chapter 3, it says, There is no one who understands. Okay? There is none who seeks God. Now, he's talking about everybody on the earth. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. That's not very positive speaking, right? There is no one who does what is good, not even one. Their throat, look and listen to how he describes this. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Viper's venom is under their lips, and their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's how he describes us in those verses. God doesn't have to listen to us, but he chooses to because he's merciful. And so the psalmist knows that, and he starts right off and he says, I love the Lord because he has heard my appeal for mercy. Now, he begins to describe his, 
his situation. He says, the ropes of death were wrapped around me. Okay, so he kind of describes a situation where he's, he's maybe dying or, or feels the pressures of death. He says, the torments of Sheol overcome, overcome me, and I encountered trouble and sorrow, and then I called on the name of the Lord, Lord, come and save me. And so as he feels this pressure in his life, and as he feels like he's, he's maybe being swept away, he cries out to God, God, please, please come and save me. This incredible powerful God. And so we trust him and we thank him in the midst of all of that. He hears us. It's an amazing thing, again, that he hears us. I can't stress that enough. This is a powerful God who, who in, with his breath, can create the sun. And our sun is, is really small compared to other suns throughout the universe. And then he can, out of dust that he created, just bring to dust and then Throw it in the air, and then, ooh, look, there's a man. There's a person. I mean, that, that's God. That's how powerful he is. Oh, I need to create a woman. I'm, I'm going to take a rib from you, Adam, and pff, there's a woman. You're like, that's how powerful God is. Right? And if I go out and try to create, I mean, I can, I can try to put, like, some, some flour and some sugar and some eggs and maybe some yeast, and I put it in the oven, and it looks like a mess when I'm all done, Right? It comes in, it's like collapsed, and it's supposed to be right. It, that's what I make. But what God makes is, is amazing and wonderful and beautiful. And, and he still loves us, even though we rejected him. It's, it's an amazing thing. He hears us, and he delivers us, like we saw there in verse 3 and 4. Even though we may feel overwhelmed at times, even though we feel like we're dying at times, even though the cords and, and ropes of death are wrapped around us, he delivers us in those times so we can reach out to him. Well, continuing forward in verse 5, he describes something else. He describes how we rest in him. So verse 5, it says, The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is compassionate. He gives three characteristics of God there. He says he's gracious meaning that God gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us love. He gives us tenderness and grace and kindness and goodness, all those kind of things. He gives us forgiveness. Then he gives us righteousness. So he, he or he is righteous, excuse me, he is one who declares what is righteous. He judges righteously, all those types of things. That's the second thing he points out there. And then he says he's compassionate. God knows what life is like from our point of view. And he looks from our point of view, and he says, oh, this is what it's like to live here today in 2019 in Nampa, Idaho. And so he understands that, and he sees what we're going through, and he makes decisions based on who he is as a sovereign God and, and what we need at the time. He's compassionate towards us. The Lord, verse 6, then guards the inexperienced. Uh, a couple different translations might have some different words there for inexperienced, but that's kind of the idea. It captures the idea of being inexperienced. It's to say, like, there are those, there are times when, when we walk into life or go through life and we make some mistakes, and we didn't mean to. We didn't really walk into it and, and thinking, okay, I know this is wrong or anything. We just start to make those mistakes, and then, and then things happen, and all of a sudden we, we get into trouble, and God can bail us out at times. <coughs> so there's that, you know, that, that happens at times, right? 
But there's also times when we knowingly walk into things. He's not addressing that here. God does discipline those he loves. We talked about that for a couple weeks now. When we walk into things we know are wrong, but here he's talking about when we walk into things we don't know are wrong, God deals with us, he guards us, he helps us, and then he says, don't do it again. And then if we do do it again, then there's probably some discipline because he's like, listen, you've already been there once before, right? There's a relationship with God. It's, it's kind of like parenting in a way. I mean, God is, in the Bible, called our Father. And He's given us His Word, and He's given us instruction. He says, this is how we ought to live our lives. And when we mess up, there's times where He shows grace and mercy, and there's times where He disciplines to get us back on track. And so each one might be a little bit different. But here the, the, the psalmist points out that he does guard the inexperienced. He says, I was helpless, and He saved me. I was in a situation, and God reached out, and He saved me. So, verse 7, then, return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Now, here's the verse that just really stood out as I was going through it, and I think this is kind of the point he's driving home here, is that we're to return to his rest. We're to see that God is good, and that's where we find rest. Not in our circumstance. Sometimes our circumstance can be terrible. It can be awful. It can be hard. As he describes it here, the ropes of death were, were surrounding him. It's not an easy situation that he's living through, but he finds rest because he knows that God is good. And that's something we have to remember so we can return to that rest because God has been good to us in the past and we know he'll be good in the future. So that's the point. We rest because he is good and trustworthy. Now, you might say, well, there are times in my past it doesn't feel like God has been good. And some struggle through things that have happened in their past and they realize or, or have a, a difficulty saying, okay, God's been good. But, but I think the thing that we always need to remember is spiritually speaking, God loves and forgives us when he doesn't have to. He hears us when he doesn't have to. He doesn't always change our circumstance, and he doesn't always make our circumstance what we want it to be, but in that circumstance, he's still there. He still loves us. He still has gone to prepare a place for us, and we will be in heaven one day with him where it is glorious and wonderful, and there will be no crying or mourning or pain or any of those types of things. That he has given to us, and it's a free gift. He doesn't always change those circumstances, but he's given us something, and that has already been done. I mean, it's, it tells us that he gives us eternal life. I don't know if you've ever really thought through that, but when Jesus says, here, I come to give you eternal life, he's not saying, in the future you'll have eternal life. He's saying, once you place your faith in me, you have eternal life. It's not to be taken away. It's not to be snatched away. You receive it the moment you give your life to Christ. It's an amazing thing that he's given to us. And so we rest in that, even though at times it may be difficult. He is gracious with our inexperience. He knows that our, our mouths and our throats are open graves. He knows that the things we think about are improper and those types of things, and yet he still loves us, and he provides rest for those who seek him. So he moves into, again, similar to the beginning, we trust and thank him for some reasons. Verse 8 starts off, it says, for you, Lord, rescued me from death. So he starts off with, a, God is great, he listens to me, I love him, 
here's what I find, rest in Him, and then He goes back to, I'm going to thank Him again. And this is why. For you, Lord, rescued me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed when I said, I am severely oppressed. And in my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. Now, he begins to describe a really difficult time. In fact, so much so, he became somewhat bitter. He says, I believed when I said, I am severely oppressed. So he looked at everything around him and he says, my life, is, my life stinks. My life is terrible. It's hard. It's difficult. And I have to fight this battle or whatever he's going through. He never tells us exactly what he's going through in this situation. But he fear, fears or feels like his, his life's coming to an end. And, and so he complains about it. He's, he's worried about it. He's stressed about it. He's fearing it. And he's, he's saying, God, I I'm in this, this place where I feel like I'm oppressed. I have everyone around me saying things, and I feel like saying everyone's a liar, people coming up to you. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you're going through a hard time and somebody comes up and says, oh, don't worry about it. God's got it. You're like, ah, oh, I don't want to hear that right now. Because it's hard to believe that in the midst of it, right? It's hard to believe it. So you begin to think people are just lying to you to try to make you feel better. That's what he's saying here. I, I've convinced myself everyone is a liar. But as you continue to move through, we trust God even in the hardest of times. Even when the circumstances are so difficult, even when we think people around us are lying to us, even when we think we're so oppressed, it's so difficult, we still trust God. And that was something we talked about a few weeks ago, just the whole idea of lamenting, which a third of the Psalms, remember, a third of the Psalms are about lamenting crying out to God, saying, God, I don't like my situation, I don't like my circumstance, but I'm going to trust you anyhow. That's lamenting. We trust Him through the hard times. And He realizes that, and so He says in verse 12, how can I repay the Lord for all the good He has done for me? I will take the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. Now, the cup of salvation, when the psalmist wrote this, was a little different for them. It was through Israel, and they went through the sacrificial system and everything else. For us today, we know the salvation comes through Christ, that he became our sacrifice. He died on the cross, he rose from the dead, and we place our faith in him. And so he goes on in verse 14, he says, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. The death of his faithful ones is valuable in the Lord's sight, even if he were to die. In other words, verse 15, even if he were to die, he knows that it's valuable because he has remained faithful to his promise to God. That's the kind of situation he feels like he's in. So we trust and we thank him because it's the right thing to do. God is a big, powerful God who doesn't have to listen to us, who doesn't have to be kind to us, who doesn't have to be gracious to us, but chooses to because that's the kind of God he is. And so we respond to him in a thankful way, with gratitude, because it's the right thing to do. Jesus gave us eternal life when he came upon the earth, and he tells us, the New Testament tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, so we know that. The Bible also tells us that the wages of sin is death, 
meaning that there's a penalty for sin, and that's that there would be death, there'd be separation from this almighty God who created us. But there's a gift, and that gift is Jesus Christ. And many people know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not die or perish, but will have eternal life. That's the gift, that's, that's the good things that he's given to us, this salvation that he has given to us. And so we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead because it's the right thing to do. And we come together and worship God. And we celebrate God. And we celebrate Christ and what he's done. And we come on a, on a Sunday morning when other people are like, hey, Sunday morning is a time to sleep in, or Sunday morning is a time to go maybe to the, 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 I don't know, camping or shopping or whatever. We take that Sunday morning and we say, here's the day I'm going to come and I'm going to worship and love you and serve you. That's why we do what we do on Sunday mornings, by the way. It's a time for us to celebrate together what Christ has done. And we're going to, we have life groups outside because that's one of the things involved church does, not that it's a necessarily a right thing or wrong thing to do, but we, we do life groups because we think it's really important for us to, to fellowship throughout the week, to get together throughout the week and, and share what God has done in our lives and encourage one another and build each other up in Christ. So we respond to him, we put together our, our first fruits, the first fruits of our time Sunday morning, we come, we worship, we celebrate together, and then throughout the week, we remind each other how to love God, how to serve God, how to follow God, how to live those things out. And we practice His Word together. We trust and thank Him because it's the right thing to do. Verse 16, He says, Lord, I am indeed your servant. Okay, so he's, he's fulfilling these vows, he's fulfilling these promises. Lord, I am indeed your servant, not, not my own master, I am his servant. He is my master. He is the one I follow. He is the one I put first in my life, in all areas. So Lord, I am indeed your servant. I am your, uh, I am your servant, the son of your female servant. I am a, a human being, okay, I, I've, I've been born in this situation, he says, you have loosened my bonds. I feel like at times I'm strapped, but you have actually freed me up. So I started off with that illustration of, of all these worries and doubts and problems we have. And God says, here, I'll take it from you. And, and if we give it to him, he frees us up from those things and we can trust him with it. That's what he's talking about. He says, he has freed me or he has loosened my bonds. So verse 17 then, I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows. Once again, something he said earlier, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the Lord's house within you. Jerusalem, hallelujah. And so as you just look at the end, we trust and thank God because he is a good master. He calls himself a servant here. I'm indeed your servant, and you are my master. You are the ruler. You are the one that tells me what is good. That's why we we look at his word. That's why we get instruction in it. That's why, you know, we live in a blessed time where each of us have some um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> we have some way to find God's Word. We have some way to, to get it. We have a, a way that you can, can understand it even. And so if you don't have a Bible, absolutely, we can get you a Bible. And if you're still like, ah, I still have a hard time finding it, there are all kinds of apps out there that you can get and read God's Word and be in it every day. You can get emails. You can get texts every day. You can get apps to pop up and show you, hey, this is a verse for you to, to look at and learn today, or those types of things. And so it's all out there. And we live in a time, a blessed time, where we have God's Word, and God's Word gives us instruction. But just because we have the words doesn't mean we follow them, does it? And so we, we read God's Word, and we even talk about God's Word with other people, we're also supposed to live God's Word and listen to it and actually say, you are my master and I'm going to live according to what you have said. That's the hard part. And that's why, again, I think life groups is so important because it helps us live those things out and put them into practice. I don't know if you can tell. I'm kind of pushing life groups this morning. We've got life group fair, so you've got to you know, mention it a couple times. So, would you like to rest and trust and thank God? It's interesting when, when um, we get stressed, when things happen in our lives that are difficult to navigate, we oftentimes focus on those, those things and how we might be able to um, fix them. So, I'm a, I'm a fixer by nature. Some of you already know that because I think I've shared that before. And so I like to just fix things. And I'll have to admit, I think one of the things that probably drives me crazy is when I run into something I can't fix. And, and because of that, I lose rest at times. Because I think I ought to be able to fix this, right? And, and and what's hard is, you know, usually something mechanical, something I'm building, those kind of things is like, oh, you can find different ways to get around it or, you know, YouTube it and there's your answer or something. But, but when it's people, it's really hard to fix things that are going on in people's lives. And it's hard to fix things that are going on in my own life. And so those are the things that oftentimes keep me up and keep me from getting rest. Now that's a little about me, so it's a time for you to reflect and ask the question, what keeps you from getting rest? And I've learned in those kind of times, and I'm not perfect at this by any means, and I'm still learning to do this, but in those kind of times where I'm just, I'm looking at a situation, I'm saying, okay, God, I don't know how to navigate through this, or I don't know how to fix this, or I don't know how to make that person happy anymore, or whatever. And, and so I'm asking the question, okay, how, how do I work through this, that I have to stop and be, okay, you know what, instead of figuring out how to work through this, I just need to stop and thank God for this moment, for that person or those people and for this situation, because somehow this situation is going to help me become more Christ-like if I go through it the right way. And it really does help when you stop and you thank God for the situation and the people and what you're going through. So I think there's something to this. Would you like to rest and trust and thank God for what's going on in your life, for who He is and what He's done, 
And it's always a good time to remind ourselves that he's given us eternal life, so we remind ourselves that. And then we trust in that God, through the circumstance, whatever we're going through, that God is shaping and molding and making us more like him. Now, if there's sin involved, if there's something you've done, if there's something I've done in that situation, I've got to confess it. I've got to come to God and be clean and be like, okay, God, I I made a mistake here. And there's consequences through that. And God doesn't always take those consequences away. So if there's something I've done, a sin, I've messed up, okay, I'm going to confess that, work through it, but in the end I'm going to be hopefully more like Christ. And I can trust and thank God through it. And so as we think about just responding here, here's a couple questions for us to sort through. One, are there some areas of your life where you need to trust God and thank Him? Would you like to find some rest? Or would you find, excuse me, would you find some rest if you do? Think, think through that. Personalize it. I just shared a little bit of at least some of the things I've been reflecting on this week in my life and how I just need to give those things over to God when I can't fix things. So what is it for you? And then think of some people in your life that have a difficult time finding rest. Maybe you're like, well, I'm the one that has a difficulty. But maybe there's people around you, too, that have a difficulty finding rest. Then how can you help them find rest in Christ? Remember, as, as a church, as a body, as followers of Christ, we want to point people to Christ. And so we always need to be asking those types of questions. And if there's somebody that God brings along our path, and, and he says, here's somebody you know, I've, I've given to you that you can go ahead and do ministry with, and you can share the, the gospel with, the truth with, you can help point them to Christ, then do it. So you know what? I know you're going through a hard time right now. The greatest place I find hope is in Christ. What a great opportunity. And maybe they'll ask more questions, or maybe they'll give you an opportunity to talk about your relationship with him. But, but find those opportunities with people, coworkers, neighbors, friends, family, whoever it is, and, and take those opportunities. Do you know somebody who maybe is struggling and needs that kind of hope? We'll give you a couple minutes to reflect on those, and then we'll come back and worship.